My name's Sharon Grenier. My husband and I, we're um, the coffee shop people. We do the coffee connections, church planting thing here in Hilliard. So I can't make it stop doing the rotating thing. So it, you're just going to get inundated all day, and I'm sorry. Um, but so our session today is Healthy Families and Ministry. The byline um, is a transparent discussion on having a healthy marriage and raising healthy kids while serving in ministry, encouraging your kids in a personal relationship with God while maneuvering through the many facets of church life. <laughs> so the first thing I want to like speak on is um, honesty. I'm just sharing my experience. I am an, a novice. I am no way perfect. <laughs> like, I haven't like, achieved some sort of, like I don't know, goal to be up here today. <laughs> but my husband and I are both pastor's kids. My dad ta- um, just retired from the ministries. He was a pastor in uh, Delta, Ohio for 30-some-odd years. Come on in, come on in. Um, so um, my brother and I was raised in the ministry, uh, and my husband the same, and all of our siblings at some level were all still some following hard after Jesus and serving in the ministry. So I come with a unique perspective. I come with being a minister's kid and then now in the ministry. So um, I'm just sharing my experience, my thoughts, the things we're learning today. This is an, like an open discussion, so feel free to give questions. I mean, it's set up like a school, you know, so like it feels very teachery, but <laughs> this is just real laid back. So um, Nate and I met at Valley Forge Christian college. It's Valley Forge University now. Um, we traveled around, did kids ministry. That's our background. Um, we, our first pastorate was in West Virginia and three months in the senior pastor resigns. They don't really teach you how to deal with that, like fresh out of school or anything. So it's it's been fun. But uh, uh, but so we, we've been all around in different things. We lived in Pennsylvania for several years and then in 2013 we moved to Hilliard with this random call that God had put on our heart to do a missional community and coffee. When this started, neither Nate nor I drank coffee. We do now. That's how you know it's God's calling. It wasn't a passion of ours to do this, but we literally just see coffee as a means to connect with people. It's the hands and feet of into the community that we get to be for Jesus to serve him and make weird connections. Um, we've got tons of weird stories that's not what we're talking about today, but that's us, so it's our little weird. I've got four daughters. You can feel very sorry for Nate. Um, Annika is the oldest. She'll be nine. Eliza will be seven. Ari's five, and Addie will be three. So it wasn't intentional to name them all A's at first. It just sort of happened. I like patterns, so once you tell me I found one, I'm going to keep it. So that's our life, and so these are our stories. Um, Our life verse comes from Psalms 121. Um, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Um, every, everything we do, every, where we go, every, every moment, is the fact that Jesus is in control. He is our helper. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter what you're facing today or tomorrow. He is our helper. And that's just kind of been our life verse. And so I just wanted to start with that today because when you're thinking about raising healthy families in the ministry, the reality is it's not you. It's not your strength. It's his. God has called you and your family, it's a team thing, to this endeavor. And so he's going to help you. We're not perfect. We make thousands of mistakes. I'll share some. Um, So um, our biggest thing and part of why we've been called to this missional community is that you weren't created to live life alone. You are... Come on. This is Priscilla. She's our healing man. This is her computer. But... um, you weren't created to live life alone. You have to have accountability. You have to have people. And that applies in ministry. So, and some of you are from, how many of you are the only, um, are in like a rural area, like smaller towns, less than 20,000 people? How many of you are in larger areas? Yeah. So, sometimes you find that you might have more staff at larger churches versus smaller churches, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter um, where you live or where you're from or your background, but... You weren't created to live life alone. God intended for you to do this in a partnership and in pairing and in community. And part of that is creating accountability. This is part of why I asked Priscilla to come. She is, she is, she is one of my accountability partners. Um, you have to have people that you're transparent with. 
if in order to raise a healthy family in ministry, you have to be healthy. It's a, it's a top-down effect. You have to start healthy, your marriage has to be healthy, and then your children can be healthy. It's not, it, I mean, we're all dysfunctional. I mean, and I don't expect, like, well, I'm clearly not the healthiest person on the planet. But in the dysfunction, Jesus uses it, and he blesses it. But it, you have to start honestly with yourself. So I meet, um, and when you talk about accountability, you're talking across a generational um, <coughs> mindset. So I don't know if you've ever heard the north and south concepts with relationships. But you should always have people that are more experienced than you, older than you, wiser than you, that you are learning from. Then you need to also have peers in your inner circle, people that are at that same level, same season of life, same amount of experience. And then you need to have, like the South, the, those younger than you that you're investing in. You need to have accountability across all streams because you're going to get different perspectives when you do that. And so I reached out to a local friend from Hilliard, actually, who her and her husband had done a business together, and she's just... Um, her kids are my age, and she loves the Lord, and I meet with her every Thursday, and she's just a prayer partner, and I share things with her. Um, it's confidential, but it's it's a sounding board, and you, you need that in your life. You need those people, and then Priscilla comes over, and like we'll sit on the couch, and we process every other problem in my life. She's my peer accountability person, because you, you have to have accountability. You have to have somebody in your life who's going to call you out on your crap when you hit it, because you're going to hit it, and you need to have those people that are going to tell you to your face that you've hit it, and help you figure out how to get out of it because that that's just the reality that's the the clear base of it and you know that's life so wanted to talk about marriage how many here are married have a spouse of some sort excellent i mean just a, if nobody raised their hand i was going to skip it clearly you wouldn't come to this class if you didn't i'm sorry i might be a little over caffeinated this morning um that's my everyday life so it was super ironic. I got, uh, they called me Tuesday to see if I could cover for Ruthie. And we're like, sure, we can probably make it happen. What's her session? And we read the title, and Nate and I both just busted up laughing. This has probably been the hardest year on our marriage to date. Um, I now understand why a divorce exists. I mean, like, before this year, I was like, really, people? But no, I get it. Like, I, we've been around a whole other corner. Um, Satan is going to attack your marriage. He's going to start there. Like, it's not, I'm not one who likes to stub my toe and then be like, Satan, get out of my toe. No, I was stupid and I stubbed my toe. Let's just move forward. But he, it is real. We do fight against powers we cannot see. And I think calling it out and praying and protecting your marriage, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And you're going to feel like you give 100% all of the time and it's not fair. And that's okay. <laughs> because Jesus is using this to, you know, work out those elements. But you have to protect your marriage. You have to establish healthy rhythms. If they're rhythms of life. That's really what we're talking about all day. I'll, it'll come up later, but healthy rhythms. So Nate and I, part of what we ended up doing, because this ministry, and depend, no matter where you serve and what element, it never stops. This is your life. It is every day. It's not like a nine to five job. I used to teach elementary. So, you know, you go to school, you teach, you go home. I mean, you bring home papers to grade, but whatever. Like it, it ends. It stays in this nice little box. You close the door and you move on. This, it's always, it never ends. You don't get a break. You can't just check out and be like, okay, I'm going to check in tomorrow. Like, it's not how it works. And so you have to develop healthy rhythms with that. So one of the things we created this year to help in this, and it has made a difference, is we created a date day. Um, because we own a cot with, weekends are bad, week, just in general. But Tuesday worked out well. And so our two youngest, we put them in preschool for the day. And our two oldest are obviously in school. And Nate and I have three hours of time with no children. 
and we're not on, we're not working, we're off, and it's just time to be together. We don't always do anything. Sometimes we literally go home and watch Chuck or whatever TV show we're currently binging on Amazon Prime. Um, you know, like we don't, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to do anything. And there are times when we talk, and if there are issues that we've been having, and but it's that dedicated time regularly that we're spending focusing on each other because it's a relationship that needs time and investment too. Um, it doesn't have, and it, and it looks different for every person in every season of life. I mean, we haven't, like, we just recently started this weekly regular date day. Until then, it hadn't been like that. And I think in this particular season, which I know several of you have young ones, it's especially challenging when you have little kids because they're just constantly demanding. I hope that stops at some point. Maybe some of you can encourage me with that truth. But, <laughs> but uh, like, right now at this season, they're just, they're incredibly demanding, so you don't even get those evening times, where in different seasons of life, you might be able to do your daytime in the evening. But whatever the case is, if it's grabbing a cup of coffee, or if it's just carving out special time, you need to communicate that time, and it needs to be sacred time. Like, we don't mess with our Tuesday date day. Like, people ask us to do things, and we turn it down, and we say, I'm sorry, we're busy that day. They don't need to know why I'm busy, they just need to know I'm busy. Um, and because it is important. You can't, you can't just continually give of yourself. You have to also take time to be healthy too. And I think that was one of my, someone will be like, you're preaching yourself, right, Sharon? Um, <laughs> um, it's really easy, especially if you have this heart to serve, and which most of you do because you don't find yourself in this occupation if you don't, um, to, to constantly give of yourself. Oh, it's fine. I'll just give of myself. This is important. This is important. It is important. It's not not important, but so are you. You have to take time. You have to carve out time, and you have to make time for your spouse. He or she needs to know they are equally as important in your life as well. Um, and then, whoops, oh, I did something. Sorry. There we go. Um, then we talk about family. It's, it's natural um, to have conversations about Jesus and life as part of everyday conversation. Like it, for in our house, it, especially the kind of ministry we do isn't on Sunday morning. We actually have like house churches. So we meet in people's houses throughout the week at different times. So it's, it's weird. And one of the, the things we talk about, it's not our traditional, okay, Sunday morning, this is our God box. We come to this building and this is where God fits and that's it. We don't talk about it anymore. No, he is a part of our everyday life. When you talk about raising healthy families and, and, and healthy children and having them have a healthy view of God, it, Jesus is your best friend, so you should be talking about him all of the time. You know, when your kid gets hurt, we pray and ask that God would heal that hurt. When we have a bad day at school, when something happens, well, how, how would Jesus want you to handle that? If it's not a natural part of your everyday life and everyday conversation, then you're, you're, missing, you're missing the point. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen inside four walls. It's your entire life. And when you embrace that perspective, it changes your viewpoint on how you look at really everything. Um, it's, it's a team thing. Um, when I said earlier, I'm not the perfect at this, I'm, I'm not. Like Priscilla can shout amen all she wants all day. Um, <laughs> we, we goof up, but you have to be transparent with your kids too. So just the other day, I was trying to get the shop unlocked and we're having key issues and it was really annoying and I got vetoed to get new keys. I got unvetoed after this event, by the way. But I'm like trying to get the keys, and I'm standing out there, and it's snowing, and it's cold, and I've got the little kids next to me, and I'm just I'm annoyed because I'm running late, because I'm always running late, and I'm just trying to get the keys, and they didn't work, and I just took them out, and I chucked them across the street. <laughs> my, my, my two little ones just stood up. 
They like stared at me. And I was like, it's okay, we just need to get new keys. They grabbed the keys and we walked the long way around to go in the front door because it's locked and I can't get it open. So I immediately, like, we walk in the door and Nate's at the bar, at the coffee bar. And I, my five-year-old is like, Dad, Mom threw the keys! Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because they keep you humble. They keep you accountable. But I then apologized to my kids. I was like, Mommy lost her temper and then she threw her keys and she probably shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? We use, I mean, I, I literally tell my children, because I goof up all the time. It's a pretty regular occurrence in my house. Three days ago, got angry and I'm going to smack my hands at the table because they weren't listening because I couldn't get their attention any other way. And then I was like, I'm sorry, I did that, girls. Let's focus. <laughs> but you have, to, you have to apologize. You have to be real with them. Because no one's perfect. We're all on a journey striving to be like Jesus. We're all trying every day to, to go through that sanctification process. But you need to, it's modeling. That's what it is. It's being open and honest and transparent. When the word transparent was in the first part, that's, that's really what this is about. It's about modeling it. And when you and your husband or your, your wife are, are having a hard time being transparent with another couple. I mean, we've had several couples in this past year come over for dinner and we start talking about our problems. And you know what the ironic thing is? They have the same ones. <laughs> no way. And it's been amazing. And it's been a blessing because not only were we healed through that process, so were they. But if you, if, you, if you live life alone, if you think, oh, this is just me, and you let Satan win on that element, you get robbed of, A, the healing on your own end. But then, conversely, I had no intent of blessing their marriage, but I did. I was 100% selfish coming to them for help. But it's a mutual benefit, right? And that, that same application applies to our kids as well. It's a team thing. It can't be done alone. Um, we can give examples day in and day out, but it, it, it just comes down to the small things, the everything, the everyday, those little details. Um, I'm a visual person, so I was like, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, by the way, you absolutely need to get it. It's phenomenal. That's where all of these images are from. But... 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and of um, timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. When the strength, or with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because... That was his plan from the beginning of time to show his grace through Christ Jesus. One, seven through nine. He's got this planned out. And it's more, the, the older I get, the more convinced I become. It's more about the journey than the destination. It's the everyday, the little things that matter. You don't know the impact of the little. So when we talk about a team thing, it's it's a team thing. Our kids come with us. As a kid growing up, I mean, we ate, I don't know how many meals, because Delta's about 30 minutes west of Toledo, which if you're all from that area, it's just nowhere. It's cornfields. Blink and you miss it. That's where I grew up. Didn't have a grocery store. It's lots of fun. Um, <laughs> okay, you're welcome. Um, so my dad, though, as the pastor, we would get a lot of hospital calls. So at least three or four times a week, we'd have to drive to Toledo. So we would just, my brother and I lived in the back seat of the car. We just, you know what, it's dinner time, so we'd go through McDonald's, we'd have dinner together in the car. And then my dad would run in, make his hospital visit, I'd do my homework in the back seat, and then we'd go, go back on home. Like, it's together. Now, I'm not, like, I'm not saying you have to do everything together, but there are elements where it needs to be together. We eat dinner together regularly. If you don't do that, I highly suggest that you do. Um, Priscilla even comes over. I mean, she made dinner the other night for us. Like, we just, we invite people into that dinner process, and we talk about our day. There's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of statistics and data to support that, but 
I mean, it's a biblical principle of breaking bread together and in inviting other families into that process. But it's, it's us together doing all of the little things and, and talking about it and sharing the stories with our kids. Um, I was telling my mom about this last night. They came down to Toledo to watch my kids today. And um, my mom reminded me completely of a story that I had I'd forgotten about. I'd heard it thousands of times. But when you're faithful in the little thing, you don't know where it's going to bleed to. You don't, you don't know. You can't see the tapestry that God's creating. You're just in the day in and day out. And then the faithful things in raising these healthy families together, it makes a larger impact. So in Toledo, um, during the Great Depression, uh, there was a lady, her name, her name was Velma, and she didn't, her and her husband didn't um, love the Lord, didn't go to church, they didn't know Jesus. They were just alive, you know, like majority of the planet. And um, her neighbor was Lois, and her neighbor attended Lighthouse um, Church up in Toledo, and she loved the Lord. Well, Thelma surprisingly found herself pregnant with their third child. Their older kids were 14 and 12. They weren't, they didn't have any money, and it's the depression, and you, there's nothing you can do. Well, Thelma got really sick, and the doctor had told her that the baby was as good as dead, that all she, if she didn't want to die, that she would need to just lay down and stand bed rest until she naturally aborted the baby, because the heartbeat was too low, there was nothing they could do because there was no money to do anything, and of course, if you imagine 40, or I mean, 80 years ago, the technologies aren't what they are today. And so, Lois found out about this as a neighbor, and came over and just offered to pray with her, and what she learned was that the doctor said the best thing you can do is eat lots of iron because that's the only thing I can suggest that'll help. You know, you need to strengthen the heart, so you need to strengthen her blood. Well, Luis, or Lois, was a, a her husband was a butcher, so she would save any of the scraps, the gizzards, the things that, things that happened to also be high in iron, and she would make little portions and bake a couple extra cookies and bring them over every day to Thelma's house and pray with Thelma. And... Um, if you can imagine, like today that doesn't seem like a huge task. I mean, yes, it's a task to take it out of your time, but if you can think back to the Great Depression, that was a huge sacrifice on their part to share those things and the little things that they had. And so for six months, she went every day and prayed with her. And lo and behold, three weeks early, a little girl was born. They named her Geraldine Lois after her neighbor. And when that baby was three weeks old, Thelma was on the front porch and asked for a ride to church and gave her heart to Jesus. My grandma was the baby. And what's interesting about that story is that when my grandma turned four, she started asking her, her dad to go to church. And he was like, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with it. She would beg him for, seven, for, for four years. And by the time my grandma was eight, my grandpa came to church and he got saved. Well, then he started donating his spare time going out with the church group to help the little rural churches that would build. He built a church in Delta, Ohio that then my dad became the pastor of, you know, 25, 30 years later. Lois gave what she had in the little. She was faithful in just praying with her neighbor. And she brought her kids along, and all that whole family got saved. And my grandma has three daughters who are all in the ministry. My aunt and uncle are missionaries in Mongolia. My mom, mom and dad are pastors, and now they've got the grandkids. It started with a lady giving some cookies and some gizzards, which sound disgusting to me, to be honest, to her neighbor. Right? That's what it started with. Because it, it's the everyday small. And when, you know, 80 years from now, my, my grandparents are both in heaven, but 80 years from now you can see that trickle effect of that one act. But you don't know. And I'm certain there are thousands of other acts that that lady did that didn't go anywhere. But you don't know that. 
and being open and honest and transparent and not missing those opportunities and not allowing them to get by because we get so bogged down with all of the things we think are work, we kind of miss out on what Jesus is just putting in front of us, that journey element. So don't forget that your kids are gifted in this too and you don't know what opportunities they can bring to you to find. So your kids are a part of this calling. I think that's one thing that I can say my parents did in the ministry and my in-laws did in the ministry that was really a key element. Um, they allowed us the freedom to, to find the parts that we were, we were good at. I mean, when I was 12, I started helping out in nursery. Um, I did it 100% because I was really sick of being in church the whole time. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I just was like, oh, I don't have to sit in Sunday night church. You mean I could take these kids and go play with them? Yes. But it, it, it totally worked. You know, Jesus uses everything um, to our benefit. And um, I think that is a huge part. Don't miss out on what God, if God has called you and put you in a way to serve, he's called your family to. It's a, it's a package deal. It's, it really is important to understand that. And so this past summer, we went on a mission trip to El Salvador. We're trying to develop relationships with coffee farmers down there from a coffee perspective, but more importantly, we're connecting with these people and um, serving with them. So we taught some ESL. We brought down donations. We're, it's, we're trying to develop a long haul, but we took, not the baby, <laughs> we took our younger ones with us. And I just want to show you this clip because, well... Smells pretty gross. That's my life, guys. It's pretty crazy. 
Um, but so <laughs> I show that art partially because it's cute and you can get a glimpse into my girls, but partially just to show like it's it's not you don't have to necessarily take your family to El Salvador to have these meaningful experiences. But it was not even when the opportunity came kind of out of nowhere last February to go to El Salvador. Um, it wasn't even a thought that we weren't going to bring them. I mean, we didn't take the less than two-year-old at the time. That would have been a little overwhelming. But um, it was just like, well, of course they're going to come. If we're going to go to El Salvador, they're going to come serve with us. And I would love to say that they don't complain about the little things anymore, but it's not true. But we do talk about it. It was in, um, and I'll hear Annika was the oldest one, the very clearly called for YouTube destiny there. Um, she, she'll often, like when their girls are complaining about something stupid, she'll be like, well, don't you remember? We saw kids in El Salvador who didn't get any Band-Aids, so you shouldn't care if yours is green and not pink. Are you talking to yourself too? But, you know, um, but it's in the little things. And then you, when you share these experiences with your family, when you don't segregate the two, but rather embrace the fact that it's just our life, um, the, these little opportunities present themselves time and time again, over and over again. And that's that's really the joy of the journey. And that's how you create those healthy rhythms. Um, so, <laughs> this is one of your favorite classic kids' ministry verses. And I know this isn't specifically a kids' min track, but unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the most beautiful thing about embracing this team mentality in terms of ministry. I learn so much from my children. I mean, you think you're selfish, and then you get married, and then you think, oh, okay, I'm less selfish now, and then you have children, and you realize you were super selfish still, right? <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. And th that element is kind of true in every facet of life. I mean, time and time again, I learned so much about how to be a more effective minister of the gospel, about how to be a better disciple of Jesus by watching my children. Um, we have, there are those childlike qualities that God wants us to emulate, that somewhere along the way we think we know better and we get out of those and then we try harder and we mess up the process. But um, we can learn from our kids and we need to create these healthy boundaries that allow us to learn from them. So protecting the rhythms of life. One of the things I find hardest all of the time, and Priscilla can attest to this, is the power of the Sabbath, especially if you are serving on Sunday. That becomes a work day. It's not exactly a Sabbath. And you still need a Sabbath. Now, it might be impossible in your life to take an entire 24 hours, but you can take 12 here or 6 here or one night a week that, you know what, we're not doing any work. We're putting our phones away. We might just watch a family movie. We'll go for a walk or we'll whatever the Sabbath looks like. And God created us each differently, so how we choose to do that is different. But you absolutely have to have rest cycles in your life. And those rest cycles apply to your family because what you think you might just be doing, oh, well, I can, I can handle this. Your family might not be able to. They might be, and I think that was the biggest lesson that came from this year with my husband and I specifically is just our levels of capacity really is like I'm I'm powering through over here and he's like, whoa, we need, and it, I wasn't at that level of needing the break as much as he might have been, but I wasn't also attentive to that role and rest and didn't realize when we started doing the breaks and the Sabbaths, I didn't realize how desperately I needed them and I how, how much of a void I was at because of them. And then the power of the word no, I'm really terrible at this one, but it's true. There, I'm the kind of person that if I, if, I can, if I can make it, I say yes, just say yes. You can't. And, and Jesus took times away to pray. He secluded himself. He took times in the large groups, and then he had times with just the disciples, and then even the inner three, and then there were times when he was alone. 
we have to learn from his rhythms. He had them. We need them too. And I grew up, I don't know if it was a generational thing or a personality thing per se, but if you, if you say no, there has to be a really good reason. Like give the justification. You don't have to have a reason. And I, I realize that that might not be earth shattering to you, but it was to me. Like <laughs> you don't have to have a reason why you say no. If the no. If the no is because you know you're at capacity or you know there's another boundary you're trying to protect, that's okay too. Um, and then the creating memories now part is this thought of it's, it's every day all of the time. It's not a journey. You don't have to be like, oh, well, let's just get this new program up and running and then we can do this. I mean, and in our lifestyle, we just opened our second coffee shop location off, um, off of OSU campus five weeks ago. So, yeah, <laughs> sounds nice. It's been a little bit crazy. But just that thought of, oh, well, okay, once Gateway gets open, it'll be fine. We'll just, but you can't do that because then something else is just going to come and take its place. And so you can't just say, oh, well, once we get through VBS, it'll be fine. Now, there are seasons and rhythms in life, and there are times like Christmas where things are just crazy and hectic for a while, and you pull back, you know, and that's okay too. But it's being aware of it while you're in that season and still finding whatever they are. And sometimes it's just a matter of having the conversation. If you open the conversation, if you open the dialogue with your spouse, even with your kids, and just ask them how they're doing, they will tell you. They tell, I'm sure they tell you more than you want to know. But you can create those memories now. And when you view life as, we are a disciple of Jesus. I, I am, everything I am doing is coming out of that heart of, I want to just serve Jesus. It's not, and I don't know if you're a vocational minister or you're serving in what capacity you're at in ministry, but it's not, it's not your identity. Who you are in Christ still applies and that that overcompasses everything you do it doesn't matter if you're a teacher by day my mom still teaches now she's a pastor's wife and taught by day then she would joke that she had two full-time jobs because of all of the things that she did for the church when my dad was still pastoring but she never looked at it as one or the other and I think that's the biggest key I want to try to communicate today is my parents it's, this is who we were this is our life it's not it wasn't tied to a specific role or a building or a wall, but rather I am a follower of Jesus and this is how I behave because of it. And you'll never know what opportunities will arise to impact people's lives through that mentality. Um, sorry. I was, okay, I thought I bolted it. Long. Anyway, this verse is from Zephaniah 3.17. With his love, he will calm your fears. Um, when I was looking and just praying over this, I think the part that it, I just wanted to communicate is it seems overwhelming. It seems overwhelming to think I can raise a healthy family, I can have a healthy and I can do all of these things, but he's in control. He's calling you one day at a time, one step at a time, and he's going to calm your fears, whatever they are. He's going he's gonna to help you surpass whatever boundary, problem, thing is in your life. He's going to help you. You know, one day, Lydia, you'll be able to sleep through the night again. I'm not there yet. She's two, but you'll get there. I hear it happens. I read a study that said six years. That was a little depressing. Sorry. But it, they're just their boundaries and seasons and rhythms of life that you just have to kind of embrace. And then nevertheless, through it all, Hebrews 12 verse 2, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. It, never lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing. Who called you to it? When... Um, when I, when I think about w what this looks like, it's just our everyday. It's just, this is just life. It's not, it's not about, um, 
It's about being transparent with your kids. It's about asking for forgiveness. It's about being transparent with your spouse. It's about acknowledging those rhythms and having those conversations. And it's about enjoying every step of the way. You know, taking time out. Um, I'm going to share another video with you. So Toby Mac released a new album called The Elements, and we've been listening it to the car ever since Christmas. And a couple day, or a couple weeks ago, my four-year-old at the time was like, hey, Mom, can you play the elephant song? Elephant song. And after several moments of trying to figure out, she meant the elements. Well, then immediately the girls decided we should probably make a video at Ikea with the elephants they have to the element soundtrack. So it's a minute long here. But this is what we did. I mean, it just kind of keeps going. But I mean, that I mean, that's stupid. Like, let's be honest. That's but we had so much fun doing it as a family, and the girls then were talking about it with all their friends. And the song is talking about really fighting for what matters, like not giving up on family and those things. And it was it was fun to listen to my almost nine year old tell her friend that you know, well, we're not gonna fight. We, we fight for what matters. She goes, we had fun fighting elephants. We don't really fight elephants, but we we fight for our family because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And that's, that's what I heard her telling her her friend. And so by taking, I mean, that it only took us like thirty minutes, and I got tons of hilarious stares at IKEA. It was lots of fun. But by doing that, I created, you know, we made a memory, and I'm sure we'll laugh about that for lots of years. My kids are weird, but um, that you just embrace those little moments. And I think that's just, I mean, that's what it really boils down to when you want to have a healthy family. Um, Isaiah, I, I just was really encouraged by a lot of these verses, and I couldn't pick just one, so I threw them all in here. Figured there's probably a reason it's going to speak to somebody. So <laughs> Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will... Are, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. It's just focusing on him, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. It's a daily journey. It's not, like I said when I came in here, it's, it's a part of the process. Having that accountability, creating those boundaries. Those are the, the action steps, really, for today. If you don't have those rhythms in your life, or absolutely get them. And don't feel like... Okay, well, I have to flip my whole schedule off. If I can't do it, I can't do it. Okay, you can only get one date day this month. That's better than nothing. Take what you can get. Don't don't feel like it has to be perfect. It's, it's a process. It's a journey. Um, sorry. I wanted to... Like, you think it's going to go a certain way, so you, like, type it out, and then you start talking, and then you're like, oh, no, it's going to go a different way. So, um, But... We, one of the big things that I want to encourage you to, because it's your life, rather, um, when I used to teach elementary school, right, that it was like, okay, well, I can leave work stuff at work, and then when I come home, I, I'm, I'm home. This is a, 
my journey is nothing like that. We do it's just it's all of the time. So quarterly, we try to get out of town. We go to Toledo to visit my parents. We'll go to visit Nate's family. We'll save up our rewards points on our credit card and check get a hotel night so the kids can swim. But we do that once a quarter. And I think that those are absolutely imperative in terms of practical steps to do for you. They don't have to cost money. I mean, we're we don't have any money. <laughs> we'll start out there. <laughs> it's not like I'm like, it could be cheap. But if you need a place to come, I, I, you can come crash in our basement. I can't promise you'll have a whole lot of privacy. I'll have four little girls, but you're, you're welcome. We live in Hilliard. Seriously, I'll I can give you a number. But you need to have those quarterly times because they're refreshing, they're relaxing, they get you out of town. They're a chance to clear your head, connect back with God again, and become refreshed and rejuvenated to do the daily, to do the life that he's called you to do. And when you do those things, you develop stronger bonds with your kids, with your spouse, that help through those rougher daily things. Because you, you, just, you just don't know when it's going to go bad. Or when, in our situation, the employees call off for three days straight, so now we have to open and close the coffee shop for three days in a row, and that's just not fun. I mean, it happens, and it's part of life. But when you take those times of respite and break and get out to clear your head, that's another helpful, practical tip. Um, are there any specific questions that you guys would have? I mean, I don't, I'm not like an expert. Is there any, anything poking at your brain? Yeah. So I'm from a family of, like, voice your opinions very easily. Um, you kind of, like, it's almost an expectation that there's, like, you said, no, let your no be no, and you don't necessarily have to give an example. Yes. As to why. Yeah. I come from a family where if you say no, there's, like, and. <laughs> I need a good reason so that if it's not a good enough reason, I can, I can manipulate you into doing this, yes. This and show you that, you know, that's not a good enough reason. So, right. Um, and, and it's not in a hateful way or anything. It's just, that's, they really yes. want you there. You mm-hmm. know? So, how do you approach that when you can tell someone's waiting for you to add on to your no? Um... If you have any better, um, this is, you know, peanut gallery answers, go for it. In my situation, I just say I, I, I had to learn to be okay with not respect, or not giving a response. I know they want it, and I just wasn't giving it. I'm like, I'm really sorry. We're, we're unable to make it that day. And then if they start to, right, and then you just say, you can just say, it's like our rhythms of life are really busy. I'm, I'm so sorry. And if they keep prying, then that's where you have to sometimes draw those hard lines. But like, I just need you to respect my answer. It was really hard, by the way. Yeah. That's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, and I've only sort of arrived with my mom there. <laughs> I love you, Mom, if you listen to this sometime. But it's, it, um, it's true. And, it, and that's okay. That's the, it's okay to have that. But that's part of just growing that stronger boundary on your, on your side. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you give them, give them the brutal truth, then it may kind of hit them like a ton of bricks, like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, get mad at you at the beginning, but then if you keep, keep continue giving that truth, I think that they'll learn to respect it. Yeah. I'll say I also think that
course, we'll be there. But if it's just little things here and there, you know, we have something that we're already committed to, you know, because we have a lot of commitments to the church and to, yeah. you know, our community, then, you know, you need to be okay with us and not being there. Right? Absolutely. We want to be there, but we can't be there. So. And that was another line in here that I didn't quite see. But this pot, it just takes effort. It takes some forethought. It takes some planning. You know, like we're going in a week to during spring break up to New York to see my in-laws. Um, we've been planning that for six months. It's not like it just happened in one day because it takes a lot of effort. And so and that communication part, being like, hey, this is going to be, December's a crazy month for us. So what are the two things that you really, really need us at? Because we can't, you know, and I realize it comes in different seasons, but that just, you know, being aware of that too. I think, it's, I think it's a lot easier for men to say no than women. You know, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I kind of sit true. on my wife and say, hey, you're burning yourself out. you got to just say no. It's true. You know, and I think, I think women have, have a different mentality than men. Is say, they want to always please everybody. Yes. And you and you can't. And realize, yes, and realize that by saying yes to that, you are inadvertently doing damage somewhere else. So you're just acknowledging that that's okay too. Um, yeah. And that's okay. Be honest with them too. But find something you can talk about. Um, Right, be like, I mean, just, it, right, just, I can't really talk about work today, but what's your, find something to talk about. Because I, I find, in my experience, which could be limited, jump in if you have others, but um, part of it is they're just trying to create a conversation. They're just trying to connect with you. And so if you can't talk about work, talk about something that you can't, like, I watched the show, I read this article, and I want to, like, find something to talk about. Yeah. That I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely got drugged to church. It's not like I was given a whole lot of choices. Like this is just the expectation was clear, right? This is what you do. But my parents really did find ways to to utilize my strengths. Yes, back in the day, I had to make several of those cold calls, reminding all the people about events at church that nobody really wanted to remind. Like, yes, I've had to do my fair share of that too. But my, like, if there was something like I really enjoyed working, like setting, like if it was getting ready for a banquet, I liked setting the tables. So my mom would let me do that. My brother was always helping in the kitchen, or um, you know, like, or even last night we're swimming in the pool and my children are playing baptism. You know, that's just a standard PK thing, I guess. I don't really know, but um, but that and and I think there were some perks to being in the ministry. So like. You know, kids weren't allowed to play the piano, but I could when nobody was there, you know? Like, I mean, um, that's weird. But I actually enjoyed the fact that we lived far away. So, like, when network conference or synergy or things like this would come, I'd either, I'd get to maybe miss a day of school, and I'd get to go with my parents to the event. And the fact that I didn't have to just do all of the work stuff, but I got to do some, there's fun stuff that come with it, too. Um, that was the part I liked best. Um, I think the other encouraging thing to just remember, um, because I have lots of friends in the ministry, is ultimately your ch- child's choice is your child's choice. So if if they grow up and decide to turn their back on Jesus, that isn't necessarily that is not a reflection of what you have done. I have friends in the ministry who they had three or four kids, and two of them are on fire for Jesus, and some of them aren't. And because just like we would, I mean, every person makes a decision. So there is that element too. But um, the the other big thing is if like ministers retreat uh, huge carve out time to go I went to pastors kids like retreat I needed that as a kid because those kids could 
that can relate to me in a way that nobody else in my hometown could. And I'm from a small rural town, so some people are on staff at bigger churches and they might have kids that get it in their hometown, but I didn't. It was just my brother, and well, it was my brother, so, you know. <laughs> but um, that was that's pretty huge. So if you can at all carve out time for that, that is a huge event. That was helpful for me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for us, like my family, I have three young kids too. My husband's on the praise and worship. They're, yep. Mm-hmm. But um, for us, like the saying no part, like the rest of my family, they don't go to church. They think they're believers, but they're just not not involved. They don't go to church, you know. So for us to say no, um, no, we have a church event or we can't do this, you know, because this, it's showing them, like, the importance of what's important for us, too. And, and I've really seen, it's been years, but I've seen growth, like, my cousins or my grandma, even family, like, they're like, you know, what's, they, they ask us questions, but not really just come to us and just ask about church, you know, like, right. it's kind of ways around it. But, but really kind of, it just kind of shows, you know, what's, what's important to us and that, you know, church is something that we put exceptions. There are some Tuesdays that come up that um, we do things because it's that's life, right? Um, but if, if that week you fi- find another evening, it doesn't, it, right. you can be more flexible. Like, right. you can be more creative. But even if, okay, so say something like that specifically happens. Okay, so you're able to take the whole day, but you have to carve out three hours to go to that. Okay, take the rest of the day. Instead, like, you know, some of those things just, meh. I think it's, it's not legalistic, right? It's not, it's in the small things. It's in the everyday moments. Did, did you have a thought? Yes, I get that. Like the easiest thing that I figured out that works for my family is you don't have to answer right then. You can buy yourself some time by just simply saying, let me get back to you. And then you don't have to process all this stuff of like, oh, what do I say? You don't have to deal with that. You can get back to them. You still have to. But you have 10 minutes a day. Just buy yourself a little bit of time and you can actually process how you want to say that versus on the spot. You don't have to think as fast. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Turkers. Yeah. 
Um, and that really helped because a lot of us women in the church were wearing many hats yeah. and doing so many things and running ourselves out. And we had to learn to say no right. to eat into our family. Right. The best, yes. That is an excellent read. Yeah. Um, that's that's just really my encouragement today. Just be, enjoy the journey. Trust God. Know that if He's called you, He's called your family. It takes forethought, planning, a little bit of effort on your part to protect yourself. But just enjoy the ride. You know. So, thanks for coming today, today, guys.